Since 2016, I've been on a mission to visit every site described in the book, Landmarks of Britain, the 500 places that made our history. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the castles, caves, cathedrals, and country homes visited along the way with those who have joined me. As always, I'm here with Nikki Babbitt. Hello. Hello. How are you, Nikki? I'm very well. I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Go on, tell us. Who, who's up today? Today's guest is no other than my sister, Jenny. No way. Double pavits today. I know. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, she will probably say that um, I've coerced her into all of these things, but, you know, it's all good. It's no, all- no, 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 no. She's loved it. I mean, as you'll hear, she was living in an area with lots of landmarks, which are quite out of the way for us. So it was yeah. it was very convenient. It all worked out nicely. Exactly. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun episode. It's one for the theatre nerds and the northerners. Yeah, shout out to our northern fans. This this one's for you. Yeah. And um, we we had some really good feedback on our, our first episode of the season. It was by far the most successful in the first uh, week or two that we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Our episode with Chris Jones on Brunel's Thames Tunnel. What a reaction. People loved it. And it was um, great for us that uh, more people are listening to the podcast than ever before. Yes. So ha- happy days. A future guest on the pod even told us that they were inspired by the podcast with, that we did with Chris and wants to go visit the Thames Tunnel herself. And that's exactly what we want from these episodes is for people to go and appreciate and enjoy these sites just like we have. So very happy with that. But yeah, Jenny's alternative landmark is a nice one and definitely would love to go there with you and your sister at some point in the future. Mm, um, yeah, because there's you know there's always an excuse to go to this particular place. Let's book um, tickets. Is that uh, a spoiler alert? Spoiler alert. Um, because actually, I have started doing a lot of my, our guests' alternative landmarks with them, and that's mm-hmm. quite fun. Um, so you know, on my way to complete that set as well. Great. Well, I think we should get straight to it. Cool. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Benjamin's Britain podcast. For those who are new to what we're doing, this is the podcast where we explore all the sites in Clive Aslett's The 500 Landmarks of Britain, a book which I've been the last five years visiting every site that's included inside it. And we invite different guests on the podcast who have been visiting these landmarks with us to discuss them. And Nikki, who's our guest this week? Well, our guest this week is someone I know quite well, Ben. Better than you, Mm -hmm. actually, which is... uh, Impossible. It's rare for this podcast. But as your your mum and your brother had been on before, we thought it was only fair that we should have the only other pavit to have gone to any of Ben's landmarks, and that is my sister, Jenny. Hey. Welcome, Jenny. Hello. Good to be on the podcast. Yeah, you are. There's lots of people dying to be on it. So, yeah, you there are very a long lucky. list of people who do want to be on it, in fairness. Jenny, we're, we're delighted to have you. Privileged I'm position. right up in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I know Jenny because we were, you know, forced together by our genetic code. <laughs> We didn't have a choice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I lived seven and a half, seven and three quarter perfect life without her. (laughs) (laughs) And then she came along and took my bedroom. (laughs) No. Obviously, Jenny, this is a history podcast. It is. And I have talked many, many times about our various day trips that dad has had to (laughs) drag us on when we were kids. I mean, when you were a kid, I was like a teenager. So it's kind of a bit different. But I don't know. I'm wondering whether you had any specific memories of uh, historical trips we had when we were younger. I don't know. I feel like I have less of the like remembering going to specific places mm-hmm. and more of the like constantly being aware of dad having random documentaries on all the time <laughs> or like going into your bedroom and you'd written like the date of something in the Vietnam War on your bin. <laughs> Just, like, revision. <laughs> Did that work as revision? The Tet Offensive 1968. <laughs> yeah, the Tet Offensive. Game. I think. Is it? You tell me, is it still there? I can't see it at the moment. 
I mean, um, if the, if the Tet Offensive is in 1968, the answer is yes, it did work. <laughs> I'm going to Google um, it. But yeah, I just remember it was when I ended up getting to A-level history and we got to the Tet Offensive. My only association with the Tet Offensive bin. <laughs> I was Nikki's right. holding up a phone. It is 1968. <laughs> See, it worked. It worked. <laughs> it was perfect revision. It's just a shame I didn't do very well on that exam. But anyway... I feel like my childhood like history associations are like you and you and Mike just like doing history revision and me hearing random things, I think was probably what a lot of it was. Because because Jenny, you know, Nikki has been to almost every site in my book without me because mm-hmm. her her story always <laughs> is my dad took me here when I was a kid. But um yeah. when maybe, I was yeah. a kid though, that's the thing. Jenny doesn't remember because she was like a basically an amoeba in a in a picture <laughs> so you don't have that many memories of actual historical landmarks as a kid not loads no that is a real shame no I have a few like with granny and granddad oh yeah go on I feel like they've taken me to some like I feel like national trust kind of kind of houses <laughs> type thing it is mostly grannies and granddads who have national trust memberships apart from me but just bringing, bringing down <laughs> the average age for your national <laughs> trust member yeah yeah so you can't remember a single place you went to as a kid? I don't know. I mean, I just I mean, I do remember Granny and Granddad taking me to the Globe like one half term or something. And that's nice. like my kind of pilgrimage. So oh, that explains yeah. it. This is probably a good point to explain that uh, Jenny didn't study history. The only uh, of- excuse me. I know. I know. Disgusting. I went for just plain old English literature. And then you're currently studying at the moment, aren't you? I am. Theatre and performance studies. Ooh, um, edgy. And that explains the uh, the love of the globe. Exactly. Exactly. Do you care about history? Do you like history? Yes. I do. I did it up to A-level. And I think also the English lit and also the theatre vibe. We always have like the underlying history as well. So when you, when you heard that your big sister was studying history at university, did you not think, oh my God. That is so cool. That is exactly what I want to do when I grow up. You weren't quite inspired enough. I feel like it more in some ways has the opposite effect of being like, let me do the opposite to what my siblings are doing. The opposite would have been maths. (laughs) Yeah, but none of us are like that way inclined. Excuse me, I love maths. (laughs) Nerd. Um, Thank God you didn't study maths, Nikki. Our past would never have crossed if you studied maths. That, they might that would have been done. a disaster. But probably not. Wow. I'd have a maths podcast instead. <laughs> Nikki's numbers. <laughs> wow. I'd be like Ra- Rachel Riley. Rachel but, Riley. <laughs> but like less good <laughs> significantly. Oh. Um, so, Jen, do you have a favourite period of history? I mean, I did a lot of Victorian stuff, a lot of Victorian politics. I quite liked that. Because I think it's also like Dickens era for me is quite nice when stuff starts to get a bit more like meaty and they're all having mm. loads of depressing problems, which are quite fun to write about. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like Victorian era is good. And then Cold War, I feel like, is also a also a classic. Oh, is I this feel be- like that's quite a common favourite. Is this because you like the musical chess? No, but that was a bonus. Because I swear everything you like revolves around whether it's got a musical. So it will work both ways. It's either I like that period of history more because there's a musical or I get really excited because there's a musical about something I already like. Hence the fact my undergrad disc was about Oliver. No, it Makes wasn't. Sense. That's amazing. <laughs> it was Oliver and uh, Matilda. That's a cool dissertation. What were you exploring in those, those productions? basically just like the idea the theme of childhood but then also how like the books are adapt how they're adapted from being books into being musicals and like what that changes with them basically and then Henry Bird from Bake Off who was uh in my year at Durham <laughs> on my course did his dissertation a year after me and copied me <laughs> he so, actually did and then we really the musical po- re- posted about it on Instagram and Jenny was furious He posted about his dissertation and then literally everybody I knew suddenly messaged me and was like, oh my God, Henry's copied your dissertation. Plagiarism. (laughs) This is the platform (laughs) to call him out. Finally, we can can expose him. 
but yeah, so Henry Bird, I really hope you cited me because uh, I laid all the groundwork for making the department happy for you to do a dissertation about that. Oh, God, that's funny. Okay. Hopefully he didn't plagiarise, but still. This is going to be on the Daily Mail when this, the day after <laughs> this podcast comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so we've covered um, the fact that you don't remember any historical trips when you were a kid. Great. Because they all got done with you first. Yeah. Yeah, sh- yeah. Nikki, yeah. Nikki soaked, soaked up all your dad's enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> you just got left with the dregs of the things that dad didn't like, i.e. <laughs> theatre. Exactly. <laughs> We've covered that you don't remember any historical trips, that you studied English and not history, a little, little traitor. And, um, <laughs> but we didn't say where you went to university. Probably is essential. Uh, I went to Durham. Nice. I mean, Jenny, you have, you, you've done a few landmarks. You're certainly mm-hmm. aware of Benjamin's Britain. I mean, but do you, do you remember Nikki saying that, you know, we, we met once when you were about 12 years old and then we, we met again when you were about 19. Yeah. But um, <laughs> did, did you hear on the grapevine about this Benjamin's Britain historic landmark activity that, that Nikki was, was starting to enjoy quite a lot? I had. And I think my main association is just how competitive Nikki is. And then it got to the point where she was talking about this. Well, one of my friends is on this number, and if they do those ones, then they're going to take over me. So I need to make sure that I get these ones done. Jenny, I can confirm that nothing has changed. That is still <laughs> Nikki's attitude. Absolute slander. So good. Your impression of it was pure competition. There's, there's someone to beat here. There's, there's a prize to be won. Yeah, no can... sense of like cultural enrichment or anything. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm I like the one that did a history degree. I can recall, but can you recall, Jenny, what your first, the first landmark that you were dragged along to was? Yes, and it's I think drag, dragged is a good way to say it, because I was <laughs> fully coerced into this. Um, it's good. As we so all are. Just, just to set the scene, <laughs> Nikki and I were going on holiday the next day. Yes. So I was sat on the train with a massive half-empty suitcase ready for Nikki to put all of her stuff into um at which point Nikki messages me and goes do you want to come to a historical site with uh, me and my friends at which point I know I have no choice because if I say no Nikki's gonna bully me into submission <laughs> um, so I agree and aside from the ones I've heard that are literally like a tree in the middle of a field mm, I think it has to be obviously Nikki would have told you about that one I think it has to be up there with being possibly one of the worst ones that must be in your book. Because um, it was Electric Avenue in Brixton and was literally just like a sign. Yeah, it, that, that, what a poor introduction into the world of landmarks for you, Jenny. I'm so sorry. It was uh, I, It's quite surprising I've done more since. Uh, Electric Avenue, we should say, is an amazing place, mm-hmm. but... In terms of what we were there, you know, for historical landmark sightings, we did literally just find a street sign and take a picture. Of it. We it, didn't, we didn't fully embrace the history. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about Brixton and its history, and that could be a whole, probably yeah. a whole podcast in itself, just about Brixton. Yeah. But Electric Avenue itself is famous because it was the first street that had street lights. Correct. And was there a street light in our photo? There better have been. I don't know, but they, I know now there's like rainbow coloured lights, which are quite cool um, along the oh, streets. Nice. It's a very interesting and, and cool place to, to be. But I, li- I like a landmark where we spend more time in the pub than at the landmark. That's, that's always a good always. Yeah, we were in uh, Prince of Wales, weren't we? Yeah, which uh, we all know that Ben loves anything called the Prince of Wales. Any pub called the Prince of Wales, we can't walk past it. We've got to go in. Yeah. Right, so Jen, you have told us that you went to Durham. You told us about your first landmark trip, but that means you've been to more, and that means you didn't choose Electric Avenue for your historical landmark to discuss today. So could you tell us what you have chosen? I've actually chosen somewhere that I went to in my first week of university, as every Durham University student does, and that is Durham Cathedral. Excellent choice. So why did you choose it? The thing I have now realised, and I think I properly realised this over the summer, is that I've been spoiled by Durham Cathedral. Oh. Because I've right. been in there a lot of times. 
mm-hmm. you go in your first week at university because that's where you have what they call your like matriculation ceremony. So it's you like mm-hmm. formally joining the university for the first time. Right. Wow. And then anytime anyone comes to visit you, it's basically like a compulsory thing <laughs> if you have to take the cathedral. Yep. Of course. So I've been in there many, many times. And what I've now realised is that I'm almost incapable of appreciating other cathedrals. Oh, because this one's so great. Exactly. (laughs) Is I went to Norwich over the summer. And I was like, oh, go to Norwich Cathedral. Mm -hmm. And then I went in and I was like, I mean... Oh, wow, <laughs> it, it's, it's you're, nice, you're such a cathedral snob now. I am. I am. Um, that's what Durham does to you. Um, <laughs> Makes you a snob. <laughs> always the one. It is. It's just a top-notch cathedral. Um, uh-huh. It also has benefits other cathedrals don't. Oh. I mean, it's relevance within popular culture. Oh. Is also okay. a great attraction. Um, being in two major film franchises so I feel like that bumps it up quite a lot to begin with it's always always good when a landmark pops up in a film it's now of particular excitement to me and do you know what they, the, the reasons are Ben which films it's been in I uh, well I know because they're some of the biggest films of all time right I think I might have one that you may not know about as well I think I know what it is. Why don't you tell us? So the two obvious ones, it was in the first Mm. two Harry Potter films. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was McGonagall's Classroom. It was also the Forbidden Corridor in their first year as well. Mm -hmm. Oh. So classic, classic scenes. Um, But also (laughs) more recently, and this is quite upsetting because... I missed out on potentially bumping into this famous actor by about six months, five months. Chris Hemsworth has been to uh, Diamond Cathedral. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Because it featured in Avengers Endgame as well. Yes. Which is is the biggest film of all time. Exactly. So So, so well done, Diamond Cathedral. Yeah. What a location. Prime location. Apparently, it just has very nice, um, nice pillars. Yeah, for Marvel fans listening, it's the but it's the scenes when Thor goes back to Asgard, and um, yeah, those pillars in the shot are instantly recognisable as Durham Cathedral because they've high, got these high quality pillars, the, the finest quality pillars. <laughs> that they've got like zigzag shapes on them, don't they, Jen? And they do. it's the only place I've seen that particular pattern on a, on a on a cathedral pillar. It's Durham. It just screams Durham. It's one of the only Marvel films I have seen. <laughs> it's actually the terrible one to start with because yeah. it's, it's like the, the end, end film. Yeah. <laughs> it makes zero sense. I think you took us to where the Great Hall in Harry Potter is. Or am I making that up? There was definitely some... some Durham's full of Harry Potter filming locations, isn't it? So it was originally they were going to film the Great Hall in because Durham split up into different colleges. So they right. were going to film the Great Hall in University College, which is literally Durham Castle. Nice. And they were going to film the Great Hall there. But yeah, university timetabling clashed with filming. Uh, oh. So I- had it not been for students actually needing to use their dining room, um, that would have also been in uh, in the Harry Potter films. That is such a mistake on the part of the university administrator. <laughs> what years were you at Durham University? 2017 to 2020. So it was an unfortunate, unfortunate right. end. Yeah, because there should have been one more occasion where you went to the cathedral. Is that not right? This is just like the slight bitter resentment I currently have which is the only thing that is dampening my love of Durham Cathedral the fact I should have had a graduation ceremony there Oh um, no! I am now a third of the way through my master's degree after <laughs> taking a year out and still have not had my graduation ceremony oh no uh oh we're waiting it out is it likely <laughs> to happen I'm hoping it's still going to happen. I think it's meant to be April. 
but it was oh. meant to be April, I think, last year as well. And it was also meant to be September and, you know. Okay. It's meant to have been a lot of dates. Will you return for a, for a graduation, even though it might be two years after the fact? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? If, okay. if nothing else, <laughs> just for the fact that I can get great graduation photos out of it. I honestly thought that you were about to say, if only for the fact that I can graduate at a Benjamin's Britain landmark. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I mean, that would That's be all bragging rights. I mean, I <laughs> have graduated from a Benjamin's Britain landmark, not quite Durham Cathedral calibre, but the, the South Bank Centre in London. Assuming I pass my master's, I believe my graduation should also be in the same place. No! So theoretically, <laughs> I could graduate from two landmarks. You're just showing off it. Um, which really puts me in the elite category God, my competitiveness is just I know. on fire Well, there's also I need to go back to the cathedral anyway okay. Because there is a superstition About the cathedral tower Oh Where you are not meant to Climb the cathedral tower Before you graduate Oh It's meant to be, it's meant to be bad luck But obviously I hadn't graduated By the point that I moved out So um, yeah, I've not, I've not done that yet Never climbed the tower. I am thinking like Quasimodo Hunchback of Notre Dame climbing up the tower, but I'm assuming what you actually mean is up the stairs. <laughs> you, you thought she meant climbing the outside of the tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're not scaling like a Norman cathedral <laughs> with like, you know, like sticky pad vibes. But the reason the reason I asked about what years you were at uni, because... Jenny, I started this project in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then I remember shortly after, and Nikki said, Ben, my sister's at Durham University. And we had a, we had about a three-year window to go and visit the, the landmarks in and around Durham. And yeah, you kindly hosted us in. You had just started university, I think. I think it was 2017 that we went to visit. It was 2018. It was 18, fine. Durham Cathedral is the only landmark in the book that's in Durham. Yeah. That's the only one. I mean, it's it's a good one. I know Durham is probably filled with other good historical curiosities and sites. What's the one, that, the thing we went to, Jen, the smallest bar or the smallest pub? It was, and it was tiny. And I think uh, I think Alex and I enjoyed laughing because if Nikki and Jenny, two, you know, two smallish individuals went to the smallest <laughs> pub in England, it would have been like a normal-sized pub. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's like a cupboard with a bar, with like a small bar. I know the one you mean, though. The sardines one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but we, while we were there that weekend, because Alex was doing like a writing retreat nearby or something, so it kind of aligned nicely. And so we also went to Newcastle and to Jarrow. We, we did. We went to the, all over the, place. the newest landmark that's in the book, the Millennium Bridge in Newcastle. Yes, that's true. Opened in the year... 2000. 2000. Mm-hmm. The year after Jenny was born. Let's just put that <laughs> out there. A year old. <laughs> um, and then we went to Jarrow, which is kind of linked to why Durham Cathedral is in, in the book as well. Yeah, that's right. That was a nice uh, ruined monastery, which um, always favourites of mine. Jenny, do you remember anything about the history of Durham Cathedral and why it might be in Ben's book? I believe it's because it is the, I think, shrine of St Cuthbert. We've ding, got ding, some. That's the winner. We've got a collection of saints. Like literally? We've got St. Cuthbert, and then I think we've got um I think Bede is around. I think he's I think he's buried there too as well. Yeah, and partially this is based on who were all of the uh, Durham colleges named after. Oh, what is, interesting. oh is that is that oh yeah, there's a St. Cuthbert yeah, College. St. Cuthbert Society, actually. Oh, oh. Um, what does the St. Cuthbert Society get up to? They just live in a nicer bit of Durham than what I did. They get to live in like the nice traditional bit right by the uh, right by the cathedral, whereas mm. I lived in the nice like you know sixties architecture. Stunning. And then you've also got the uh, College of St Hilda and St Bede as well. Oh, this all makes sense. St Cuthbert um, are all the people that are in that part of the university? Are they all loners? <laughs> Why would you assume that? Bear with me <laughs> Because St Cuthbert Who 
was originally from throwback to an old podcast Iona oh my gosh was from Iona and was one of the monks that was told to go from Iona which we now know from a previous podcast was where Christianity first came to the Celts the Scots so um St Cuthbert then went to go and live on um Lindisfarne also also a landmark in my book and then um lived basically in solitude as like a hermit on the island away from all the other monks for like years and years and years and that's why I say those that are at St Cuthbert Society or whatever it is you called it Aloners. That was the like, the, lo- the long story. <laughs> <laughs> I think they may may be offended by that. I don't care. Are they going to listen? Yeah. Who knows? You want them to be living in like individual cells of rooms, don't don't mm-hmm. you? Meditating mm-hmm. and praying eight times a day. Um, yeah. And yeah, vows of celibacy too. Um, I believe that he. The reason why he was a saint is because he basically was like so holy because he just kind of sat by himself and prayed like all day and eventually became the bishop of Lindisfarne sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) uh, hold on Jenny I'm sure we would have discussed this on the day and uh, probably as a a Durham student you know this wasn't part of your entry exam surely was uh, the history of the cathedral and good old Saint Cuthbert who I hear is a bit of a a legend in the northeast when it comes to saints he is apparently like the the main man yeah um, and he was living around 600s. Mm-hmm. So we're talking quite a long time ago. But Jen, Jen, do you have any idea why St. Cuthbert is now in Durham? Like his body, his remains? Jen, there have to be a no. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the honesty. <laughs> Basically, the, uh, the Vikings kept raiding Lindisfarne. Mm. We're talking decades, decades and decades of just raiding the island and just causing like total menace, basically, to all the monks. Damn Vikings. Yeah. And so eventually they were just like so fed up that they ended up leaving the island and coming to the mainland. And then eventually sort of they they found a few places around the north where they settled and then moved again and then eventually settled in this place that then became Durham. Yeah. And they built this like shrine to St. Cuthbert. He'd already died by this point, I should point out, and his his remains were like special. Um, and the actual phrase they used was incorrupted. His body was incorrupted. His body was incorrupted. Any guesses to what that means? Well, uh, those monks were celibate, weren't they? So, um, <laughs> not a reference to that, is it? It is not, but I like your thinking. It basically means that 11 years after he died, they looked back in his coffin again and he hadn't decomposed. It's a miracle. Surely opening up that coffin would be a way to ensure that would happen. Yeah, probably. That's a, that's a very good point. <laughs> I like how they were just like, let's have a look, see what's going on. <laughs> let's have a peek. Maybe still there. Let's have a peek. Oh, there he is. So, you know, when you get like those, those bodies that kind of go like waxy rather than they do decompose, mm-hmm. apparently it was a miracle. Yeah. It solidified him as a saint, basically. At the time, we're talking like 900 by the time, like Durham really kind of kicks off. They used St. Cuthbert's remains um, as a pilgrimage spot for Christians around the country to, to come to visit, particularly in the north. I also find it's quite fascinating that what they would do sometimes is take like the remains of saints on road shows around the country <laughs> to raise money. Monks for- on tour. Yeah, monks, <laughs> monks on tour to raise money for their, their cathedral building, which anyone that's read Pillars of the Earth. Yeah, I was just going to say definitely a pop name, <laughs> Pillars of the Earth, which is our reference point for all things monastic. <laughs> yeah, to raise money for your church cathedral building, you take your monks on tour um, and then people pay to like see the saint's body and stuff. So that is basically what funded a large part of Durham Cathedral. Which is actually still free to enter. I think it's by like recommended donation. I think the medieval monks would be furious because they thought it was such a moneymaker, and now they're just letting people in for free. Yeah, they were, they were going on massive long tours, and now it's just <laughs> let any old riffraff in. Yeah, exactly. Me, me and Ben, like, what are we doing <laughs> yeah. up there? And, and the site that they, you know, buried Cuthbert—that's that's the site that Durham grew out of, right? That's where mm-hmm. today's cathedral is and the town grew, grew up around that cathedral. Jenny, you have you have to thanks 
for you know your university education is the medieval monks of Lindisfarne. <laughs> Otherwise, there would be no university for you to, no town for you to be living in. I might have had to go to Exeter. Oh, imagine <laughs> how disgusting that would be. <laughs> imagine that. I learned that um, the cathedral that we see today was built only in a period of 40 years, which for cathedrals is pretty damn rapid. And the Normans built it in the 1100s, around that period, and it pretty much still exists today as it did then, which is remarkable. And uh, my first memory of Durham Cathedral, which it's going to be for a lot of people, maybe you too, Jenny, on that snowy first day, mm-hmm. is when you step off the train platform at mm-hmm. Durham, boom, the cathedral, it just, it just dominates your view. Your eye is immediately drawn to it, and it's, it's almost raised up on a hill. That's what it feels like anyway. Yeah. And it's, it's stunning the way it overlooks the town. And it must look even nicer in the snow. In snow, it is gorgeous. Going back to all of the Harry Potter references, the way people describe it um, is that like when you come off on the train and you see the cathedral out the window, it's like the going back to Hogwarts and seeing the castle again kind of moment. I see that. Yeah, it's like, oh, I know, I know that I'm home now because um, I can see the cathedral again. You know, I guess the monks at the time and the bishops would have wanted the cathedral to take your breath away a little bit. And it still has that effect, it, especially the way it rises over the rest of Durham. I, I did also read that the university itself was founded by one of the bishops of Durham in 1832. Who I believe is my favourite archbishop. <laughs> Your favourite archbishop? <laughs> we all have our favourites. I believe, if I'm correct, is Archbishop William Van Nelder. That's correct. So is, let me guess, is there a college named after him? There is. Can you guess which college I went to? Oh, was it yours? Yes, the college that has a lake that is sometimes described as a swamp. Oh, lovely, lovely, yeah. Well, apparently you used to get thrown into on their birthdays. Did, did this not happen to you, Jenny? No, because legend has it that if you get thrown in, you need to have a tetanus jab afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the stu- students have really ruined Durham, if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, I would agree. You guys um, heard about the Saint, the miracles of Saint Cuthbert? I have not. Well, he has survived. Apparently, his bones are still buried in Durham Cathedral. Yeah, right. But that, if that is true, it means it survived Henry VIII's Reformation, where <laughs> monasteries absolutely all over the country were torn down, and their saints' relics and bones were destroyed. But somehow, Cuthbert. And his tomb survived that, which is impressive. But um, mm. ever heard of, Jenny, ever heard of Cuthbert's Mist? That sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm, it might trigger a vague memory. It's not, yeah, yeah, it does sound gross. Well, apparently Durham was the target of Nazi bombing um, as one of those, you know, how they uh, would try to bomb sites of cultural value, not no strategic benefit just to demoralise the nation. Mm-hmm. But the night mm-hmm. they were meant to bomb yep. Durham and the cathedral, a mist descended, uh, uh, sorry, ascended above Durham. So the Luftwaffe pilots couldn't see what they were doing. So they had to mm. um, not drop their bombs on Durham. And that saved the cathedral from Nazi bombing. And it was called Cuth- mm. yeah, Cuthbert's Mist, they named it, because they thought it was good old St. Cuthbert still, still looking after the people of Durham a thousand years later. Oh, looking out for the cathedral. Or just for entirely selfish motivation of saying, I've managed to stay in this cathedral for this long, you're not getting rid of <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, pure self-preservation from government. I know that lots of people used to um, fake relics and like make yes. make them up. In actual fact, there's a Blackadder season one. Yeah, I know, no one's seen it. Um, <laughs> season one episode where they just like make a load of relics and just sell them. So... I find it very hard to believe that any or many of them are real. But, I mean, the mist is pretty compelling. (laughs) You can't ignore the mist. Strong stuff. Since 2017, we must have missed Mm -hmm. it, but apparently you can go to Durham Cathedral and actually see fragments of Cuthbert's original 8th century coffin, wooden coffin. That's cool. It's cool that St. Cuthbert still has that sway over Durham Cathedral. They love him. I don't remember seeing it. No, me neither. (laughs) <laughs> this is going to sound awful, but I've 
Wow, Nikki, this is wow, but we've been to so many cathedrals. And when you're there in the moment, they're majestic and beautiful and actually breathtaking. But they do start to blend into each other, really unfortunately, all these amazing yeah. cathedrals. I will stand strong for Durham <laughs> Cathedral being up there among the best. You'll defend it. That that is the uh, proverbial hill I am willing to die on. The literal hill that the cathedral literal is on. Hill. Okay, Jenny. We ask every guest on the podcast to rate the historical landmark that they brought to our attention. Jenny, we're going to ask you to rate out of 10 Durham Cathedral. Firstly, its historical significance. I feel like historical significance would have to go at least for like a strong seven. Because <laughs> okay. if you're talking like foundings of Christianity, mm-hmm. that's relatively fundamental. Mm-hmm. And then also, from a selfish point of view, when that leads into the founding of one of the best universities in the country, <laughs> that, that, that has to put it up there. So I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven. And she said I was competitive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice, nice. The second rating we'd like you to give it, Jenny, is out of 10 for its fun factor of spending a day visiting the beauty that is Durham Cathedral. I'm toying between a six and a seven because I feel like other than the sort of my beloved cultural facts about Durham Cathedral, (laughs) at the end of the day, I acknowledge that it is another cathedral. (laughs) (laughs) So arguably to balance out my very high thoughts for the next category, um, I'm going to I'm going to go with a six, I think, for fun factor. Nice. I mean, I'm a big fan of visiting cathedrals full stop. So mm-hmm. I would knock it up a few points more than the average person. And, uh, and you can pretend to be Professor Snape, which helps. So six yeah, that's is good. quite fun. Yeah. I like how afterwards we went to a really cool gin bar. Yes, I remember that. That was great. It was one of those places which had, which had hundreds of gins to choose from, right? Which is fun. Like even Nikki was overwhelmed. I was like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> so many mixes. And Jenny, out of 10, Insta-worthiness. This is how photogenic Durham Cathedral is for your Instagram posts. I'm going to give it a nine because I don't whoa, know. If, it's, I, it's high, it's high. I don't know if anything can be considered uh, perfect for that. But if you're looking at somewhere where you can get Harry Potter-style pictures uh, you can have Marvel-themed pictures and just pictures of genuine historical beauty. Durham has a range for every, or Durham Cathedral has a range for everyone. Um, so I don't really know if you can get much better than uh, than kind of that combination. Seems Damn fair. it, you've sold me. You've sold me completely on that night. You can be basic, but you can also be historical. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> and religious. And religious. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. <laughs> Okay, this is our favourite part of the podcast. And for the first time ever, I know something which Nikki doesn't going into this segment. Because Ah. we always ask our guests to bring to the podcast a historical landmark of their own, which doesn't already feature in my book. And normally they tell Nikki in advance, but this Mm -hmm. time I've got the dirt. Jenny, over to you. Can you introduce us to your guest alternative landmark, please? Now, to Nikki, I don't actually think in the end this will be overly surprising at all. Okay. Because we we have established what my primary interests are. Musicals. So this is the direction that I thought I would go down. So when you said before about, oh, are you going to pick the globe and all this kind of thing? I have yeah. not picked the globe. Uh-oh. I have picked the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. I knew you were going to pick Drury Lane. Oh, did you? <laughs> we should have asked you. I would have guessed it was something to do with Drury Lane. I wouldn't have guessed which bit in particular. But there are a lot. There are a lot of fun facts that you're not going to expect about this one. I think I know nothing. <laughs> nothing. Jenny, we've obviously established you're a massive theatre geek, which we love. Make make the case for the Theatre Royal and Drury Lane, which is in London. If you if our listeners didn't know. Yeah, just by just by Covent Garden. First off, the theatre itself makes the claim that it is actually the oldest theatre site in continuous use in the world. Oh, that's what they say. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, it has that to its name. The current theatre is actually the fourth version of uh, the Theatre Royal, mm-hmm. partially because at one point it burnt down. Yep. 
as happened to a lot of theatres, actually. It's a massive problem when they introduced gas lighting in theatres. It just meant loads of them caught fire. Oh, <laughs> oh sugar. <laughs> yes, that would happen. So slightly, slightly sinister. It was also the first place where the initial version of the national anthem was played. Quite the claim to fame. Also uh, site of a royal assassination attempt. Oh. Whoa. Who did they try and kill? Uh, George III. Wow. Oh, that crazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so attempted to, uh, attempted to murder George III there. Jeez. Also, another another King connection. The reason it is the Theatre Royal is it is one of only two theatres that Charles II, when the monarchy was restored, gave royal seal of approval to because there is a tunnel in the theatre which he allegedly used to meet up with his mistress, Nell ah. Gwynne, who was... Uh, who was ah. So we have many, many layers of historical relevance. <laughs> you're, you're making the case. I, I've got I've got 1663 as the year it was established. Is that the most recent one? No. The most recent one is 1812, I believe. Oh, so they had a, a fair few in quick succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think I'm right in saying, Jenny, that, uh, yeah, Charles II came onto the throne after Oliver, Oliver Cromwell and co. Mm-hmm. were in charge. And did they not ban theatres? So it was quite a big deal that when theatres were brought back. A miserable time. It's also when you consider that they banned theatres, got it back, and then the plague happened. So we weren't having a great era for theatre at that point. A bit like now. Yeah. Yeah. Topical. Yeah. And Jenny, aren't you doing a bit of research about theatres and plagues and pandemics right now? Yes. So (laughs) attempting to to write an essay about um, how suited theatre is to kind of dealing with questions of loss, like particularly in a in a time of pandemic, kind of looking at how theatres adapt and uh, kind of respond to like historical moments. Oh, please, please go back and find out how Theatre Royal responded to the Great Plague. That would be I need to look into great. this now. Yeah. Yeah, because if you could find out what they did, then maybe you could fix all the theatre's problems of the current day. That yeah. would make me quite a wealthy person. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Do you happen to know what is on at the theatre currently? I knew that this question was going to come up. (laughs) Um, I don't know, but I'm going to say it's probably your favourite, Lame Is. It is not. Think think more adapted animated film, which I have watched with you. I know it's not The Lion King, because that's a different one. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. We've seen so many things. I haven't seen the musical with you, but the oh. film I have seen with you. Oh. So it, they had a, they had a nice seasonal display in Covent Garden recently. Oh, Frozen! Frozen. <laughs> oh, it's Frozen. It Frozen. Oh, got yeah, 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 yeah. Who's the Ice Queen? Me or you? <laughs> I feel like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like she has an agenda. Fair enough. Okay, I'll take it. I'm the annoying younger sister of like, Nikki, come and play with me, entertain me. It's like, no, Jenny, I have a job. Just like, no, Jenny, I don't want to build a goddamn snowman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Je- Je- Jenny, so oldest theatre in continuous use. Yes. So, obviously, there were older theatres in the world. But yes. this one, because it's been a theatre since the time of King Charles II, mm-hmm. it holds, that's a pretty special record. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's one of the things it has over the other London theatres as well. Is it older than the Globe? This is what they have claimed. Oh, oh, but the the Globe that's there now is not the original Globe, globe, And it did move location as well. Oh, this is tenuous. (laughs) It's a good good loophole. But also the, the second Globe probably opened much more recently, right? Obviously, it was around in Elizabethan times. In its current form, it would have been, I don't know how old it's been there, but Theatre Royal, and we're going to give Theatre Royal the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, okay, we'll give it, we'll give it. There is another point of it, though, Nick, that I think you would appreciate. What's that? In that it is also claimed to be one of the most haunted theatres. Ooh, now we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there are are a few ghosties who are apparently, uh, apparently resident there. 
The main one apparently being the man in grey, um, who is meant to be the ghost of a man they found there with a knife through his heart. Lovely. Oh my gosh. So yeah, he's apparently meant to be the main ghost there. The main ghost. Supposed to be a uh, sign of good luck to the uh, actors if they see one of the ghosts. Which I think is quite is quite sweet. Yeah, quite I endearing. guess I guess that's nice. It's better than being spooked. Have they ever put on a performance of Phantom of the Opera or Women in Black? I do not believe they have, which I feel like would be a missed opportunity. It is a missed opportunity. Although maybe it it'd be too maybe there'd be too much ghostly stuff going on and it'll just be too Yeah, hectic. the ghosts might start like fighting each other. Yeah. It'd be some like ghosty rivalry. So what um shows has it been put on? It had My Fair Lady which was uh, obviously a huge success at the time. They had Oliver there a while ago as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was there. So we're going for mm. some of the, like, recently it's been the site of some of the more kind of, like, kid-friendly type musicals. Mm. And I want to say they also had Shrek, I think. Nice. Jenny, have you, have you been to a performance at the Theatre Royal? I have. What did you see? Shrek? I saw, <laughs> if only. Um, <laughs> I saw Oliver in about... 2009 I think nice, nice somewhere around there which evidently inspired me from a from a young age to pursue that as my my dissertation topic Nick I also have another fun fun question for you yeah so it was actually in the last couple of years before having frozen yeah um the theater was renovated completely mm-hmm. how much do you think that renovation would cost <laughs> I don't know. I know these things are quite expensive. Eight million pounds. Sixty million pounds. Sixty million. Whoa! Whoa. The owner, the owner of the theatre, who would have might have shelled out for that renovation, is my favourite musical composer of all time because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh. Absolutely love him, and he owns the Theatre Royal today. I, I I do enjoy do enjoy some Lloyd Webber. I feel like this is a good moment to uh, to mention that obviously the theatres have been in quite badly over the last two years. That is yes. very true. And actually at the moment of recording this, a lot of them have been shutting, haven't they? Um, because mm-hmm. their cast members have all come down with COVID. Um, it's looking not that great, to be honest. An interesting moment for theatre, mm. which is what I would also say as theatres are also some of the places where they have their continuing historical relevance. Because you can look at whatever the theatre has had on at a certain point, and that will tell you something about that moment in time. Mm. So whereas for other whereas for other landmarks, you'll have it as the, you know, that is their moment, that's their relevance. You can look back through all of the history of all of the shows that have played at the Theatre Royal, and then you can kind of work out roughly how things were at that time. Interesting. So I know people who have done, like, dissertations about plays that have been on at the Theatre Royal um, that they said were kind of all focused towards, like, um, you know, marriage and, like, feminist kind of concerns and ideas uh, like in the Renaissance period. Um, so, yeah, you can kind of, theatre's quite good for like charting a moment in history. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd say it has its kind of continued relevance for that. An age of new types of theatre. Ooh. I enjoyed having the excuse to look, research around the subject here, which I don't mm. normally get to do. <laughs> but uh, I wonder if you know this, Jenny, because Drury Lane, I reckon there are two other potential reasons it could be a landmark in itself. Ooh. Obviously, the Muffin Man lived there, which <laughs> might be why Shrek, why Shrek was, was on there. Shrek was why hosted there. Oh my God, now he's perfect. So perfect. Potentially slightly more historical. Drury Lane, in 1869, was the home of the first ever Sainsbury's. Really? How about that? How about That's that? That's so bizarre. Yeah, and, you know, in my book, already the first ever Boots, the first ever M&S, mm-hmm. but not the first Sainsbury's, which was on Drury Lane. What a historical street. <laughs> so you could go that's so you could go and buy all your snacks for the theatre before going in. <laughs> and then everyone would glare at you during the performance. You just got a big glass jar of like um, boiled sweets shoved <laughs> in your mouth. Jenny, the only other fact I've got, which I think you sent me to be honest, I don't want to take credit for it, but it's about how theatres normally have one royal box, but this theatre, it's so royal it has two royal boxes. Whoa. Excellent. Do you know do you know why? I do not know. Oh, great. I get to swoop in with this fact then. Ooh. 
Yeah, apparently it's unique to this theatre. Dates back to the time of King George III, who was almost assassinated there, like you told us. And because he was on bad terms with his son, future George IV, mm-hmm. to avoid confrontation, the theatre set up two royal boxes for, for father Ooh. and son so they could watch the plays separately, which is a unique feature to this. Couldn't they just go on a different <laughs> night? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> that is like optimal bad family relations. Yeah. So when Jenny and I go to the theatre, then we can... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we've only got one more question for you, Jenny, unless you've got anything else for us. But, um, of course, one of the best features about Benjamin's Britain is whenever we go to a landmark, we take a photo. We whack that on Instagram. So our question to you is, we're going to the Theatre Royal and we're posting it as a historical landmark. <laughs> what is the photo that we're taking at this site? I feel like potentially... Particularly bearing in mind this is Nikki and I. Yeah. And if you're going to, at the moment, you've got Frozen going on. Yeah. Yes. I feel yes. like we'd have to stage it. Oh, absolutely. Nikki and I, each as one of the sisters outside. <laughs> I like where um, this is going. We would also have to have someone like as a reindeer on the right yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah, just recreate all the characters. I want like themed outfits and everything. Love it. And who's, who's Ben going to be? Olaf. The snowman. The snowman. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, the snowman that everyone loves. Jenny, does this apply to whatever shows on when you visit it? So if Oliver was the performance, you'd, you'd come as the Artful Dodger. Yeah. Yeah, have to have a theme, have someone like begging for more food. Jenny, you've made, you've made a good case for this and it feels like we need a couple more theatres, historical theatres in our, in our list. So. Yeah. If you were going to go to any more landmarks with Ben, mm. what, what, which one would it be? Yeah, it's about time we get into another one. Do you have any in mind? <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed Heaver Castle before. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yes. another good, like, Tudor Palace kind of situation would be quite nice. Mm, like okay. a Hatfield okay. house or something. Always up for something like that. It's possible. Mm. I, would, I would personally appreciate it if you studied somewhere like St. Andrew's next. That'd be really useful. And then we can do all the landmarks around there. Yeah, I just need to theme all of them around uh, around the university or what course I'm studying. Yeah. Yes, please, yes. <laughs> Jenny, ever since we Nikki and I started this podcast, we've wanted you on. I think Nikki's been particularly excited and it's been great. Thank you for, for joining us this evening. Thanks, Jen. Um, Thank you for having me and letting me make the case for, uh, for theatre. Uh, and well made. And we'll see you at another landmark sometime soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye.